Hey y'all, you're listening to episode 32 of the One Chit Wonder Board Gaming Podcast, and today, Johnny and I are taking a look back at Burn Cycle. Johnny, guess what's around the corner? Uh, Burn Cycle Season 2. Okay, that is also accurate, but I was actually referencing to Gen Con, because oh, yeah. based on our current recording schedule, this is probably going to be the last podcast we're going to do until we're actually at Gen Con. Uh, probably accurate because I got some stuff coming up next after next weekend, so I'll be a little bit a little bit busy after that. What are you doing? Why are you, why am I not invited? Uh, we have Kyle's birthday. You're I thought you were invited to that. Son of a bitch! He did not tell me anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I guess you got uh, excommunicado. I, I guess I'm gonna try to. Well, if I get excommunicado, I'm gonna go with John Wick y'all's asses when you're playing. <laughs> That's not good. But uh, no, I think I, I think I can make that. But I know for sure we're not going to be able to get an episode out. But it's okay though, because if this year's Gen Con is anything like last year's Gen Con, we're gonna probably release a very unedited, very poor quality episode like every night that we're there. But it's crazy too because like the years experience that we've gained from going to Gen Con for the first time last year to this year is like we've done everything totally different like our whole our whole days are just booked from like 9am to 9pm and compared to last year we were like we had like a relatively large amount of downtime like we were kind of trying to find stuff to do to fill in some time but i don't think that's going to be the case this year yeah, I don't think so either. We're, we're it was nice to mosey around, but as you know, as a first time, that's I didn't want to feel overwhelmed, so I thought that was good. But now that we kind of know the layout, like we're not going to waste time walking around. Like I think you know, if I look at the map right before we get there, I'll be able to at least like finesse like a, a solid, like efficient route for us to like look at stuff that the, the prime boosts that we want to hit and stuff like that too. That is the true Euro master at work, y'all. That's, efficient route planning. Hey, that's get what I did man, last year. Get this man ticket to ride. Go. <laughs> Hey, Ticket to Ride Legacy is going to be their demo, so I'll be checking that out. Pass. Well, you guys can go do your own thing. Speaking of you guys going to do your own things, this is probably like a super triple crossover episode because this year, one of my best friends, Stephen Chan, is joining Johnny and I for Gen Con. And coincidentally, Johnny and I are re-reviewing Burn Cycle which was the only episode that I did with my friend Chan. So this is like, I'm not going to lie, this was completely unplanned for me. It kind of like the stars aligned because we were going to review Zaya with Chris, but Chris was lame and didn't feel like, you know, having fun. So we're reviewing Burn Cycle instead <laughs> and talking about going to Gen Con with my best bud Chan. You know, you said it wasn't like planned, but I felt like it was planned because you've like been at begging to play Burn Cycle with me like forever. I mean, I so me wanting to play Burn Cycle is like threefold. One, I'm a CTG simp, no yes. doubt about it. If it's CTG, That's... I love it. Although I will say I am not backing, or I have not backed elder scrolls from ctg can't call yourself I'm sorry a simp if you're not backing the ultimate. i'm sorry guys like it's it, if chip theory is hearing this like i just i i have too much i have too many bones literally too many bones and i cannot fathom the idea of having both games in my collection like it's just impossible 
But that said, I still love everything from Chip Theory, and I'm glad that you backed it because I will be playing the crap out of it with you because, like I've said many times before, Too Many Bones is absolutely impossible to transport to anywhere else other than just playing at my house. Like, that's it. There's no options for that. Well, I mean, now that we're established podcasters, I think it was part of my plans. I don't know if we worked inside turn for Gen Con, but I definitely want to talk to the CTG guys when we're there and just kind of get their thoughts on, you know, too many bones versus like just a little bit. They've talked about it on their the Kickstart or the Game Found and everything else, but I'd be kind of cool to talk to them in person at Gen Con just to see, like, give them a the little, little emphasis, like, yeah, Dudley, you should get both because they're different enough. And then, you know, if you're the simp that you are and you're talking to the designers, like, how could you not, you know? Okay, first of all, the reason I'm getting it, not getting it is not because they're not different enough. I know there are different games, uh-huh. but I literally cannot justify having that much too many bones and then start to add on Elder Scrolls because if it's anything like their business model for too many bones, it's going to be like new class, new faction, new class. And it's just coming out. It's just going to like suck up all my money and all my like calyx space like i just can't like i want to so bad but i can't we'll see about that we'll revisit that episode this episode again in the future probably i know it's gonna be like all right guys we're gonna review elder scrolls and uh i'm gonna have to go find a second hand copy (laughs) (laughs) i don't know we'll see i mean i'm glad you have it let's just say that because took one for the team yeah, I wanted to play Too Many Bones with you, but you hate it, so I like have to find someone else to play with. But now you have the Elder Scrolls. We could play it one time. I'm going to tell you I hate it, and then you won't have anyone to play with either. Now we're in like a, what is it, like a Mexican standoff as to who <laughs> caves first on selling their CTG game. I got my guns pointing out right now. Mine are pointed out myself because I bought the game. <laughs> I bought all this stuff for it. It's a big uh, paradox. Yeah. So on a side note, you know, like uh, us trying to get back in the flow of recording content, you know, I still have to just reiterate to everyone who listens, like we are so grateful for you guys. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm very happy with the progress of the podcast. We don't have very many listeners, but it's like, very noticeably consistent from episode to episode so for everyone that's listening all like 40 of you guys 50 of you guys thank you and if you happen to be going to gen con this year hit us up seriously email us we're looking for people to hang out with like always down so email us or message us on instagram or I'll give yeah. you Johnny's phone number in the show notes. You could just call him any time of the day. Yeah, it's my Google voice number, so no biggie. Do you have a Google voice number? Is that still have, a thing? Yeah, I use it all the time when I sell board games, so when I, I can ghost the people afterwards. <laughs> okay, this is simultaneously genius and diabolical. I did not <laughs> know this was a thing still. No, it's perfect, man. Like, I don't sort any of the games I sell now. We have so many games. I'm like, if it's missing one little piece, I'm like, I'm sorry, bro. I, like, I'm not going to go dig through all my all my junk just to find that one cardboard shit that we threw away for like, a Simon game or something. You are literally, like, my worst enemy right now. Like, just the sheer idea of someone doing that to me, like, having paid, like, 
hundreds of dollars for like a kickstarter and it's like oh yeah my bad bro i'm missing like the first player token but it's cool just proxy yeah but you like- have but you have the 3d super exclusive kickstarter piece like you don't need yeah. that little, little chit yeah. i understand that but when i go to sell the game a month later because i haven't played it I don't want to have to tell the next person that, oh, hey, when I got it, it was missing these pieces. Sorry. I mean, like, no. if you had kickstarted originally, then you wouldn't be in the situation. You had to buy it secondhand because you missed out the first wave. So, you know. Okay, okay. I'll go back Elder Scrolls. God, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so today, Johnny and I are taking a look back at Burn Cycle. Um, I'm going to go do like a brief overview, like more brief than usual, because we've kind of talked about it before. So I don't want to waste too much of everyone's time who's listened to the first episode or who can always go back and listen to that episode for a better rules breakdown. But I will say our audio quality has improved tremendously since that episode, because if I recall correctly, Burn Cycle was, I think, episode four. Like we had just started the podcast and we were recording on a my little portable iPhone mic. And now we have like blue Yetis and like using Audacity. Like I feel so grown up, by the way. <laughs> I feel like we're at like a grad school level now. Yeah, like we're we're so big time. But <laughs> anyways, uh Burn Cycle is a one to four player cooperative game designed by Josh Carlson and Shannon Wedge and published by Chip Theory Games. In Burn Cycle, you and your team take on the roles of a team of robots that are trying to infiltrate the headquarters to complete their missions. Each robot that you control has a different set of passive and activated abilities, as well as a different cachet of chips that it can contribute to the Burn Cycle. Each robot also has a stat called Power. This stat actually represents both your health your currency to purchase abilities and or additional burn cycle chips, as well as the amount of dice that you use to generate your dice pool at the start of every turn. On your turn, you will take one action for every chip in the burn cycle. Each action will usually require some kind of dice check that you will have to allocate dice from your dice pool in order to pass. Some of these actions are pretty basic, such as move, open doors, pick up items, activate the network. But one of the most interesting parts about trying to optimize this game is that there is a slight programming aspect to it in the sense that if you contribute a very specific type of chip to the burn cycle, when you are taking your action on that respective chip, you will gain a bonus. Some of these bonuses will be as simple as adding another two action points to whatever dice result that you rolled, but some of them are more interesting, such as being able to bypass a certain uh, modifier on a keypad or even getting an extra option from the network cards. After you have completed your turn by taking one action on every single burn cycle chip, you will then proceed to the network phase. During the network phase, you will move your IP around a circular map, trying to gain bonuses by landing on hubs. One of the things that's kind of cool that it ties in both parts of the game together is that your IP moves in a pattern dictated by the burn cycle. If you have a lot of generic chips in the burn cycle, you'll only move one space. However, if you play a specific type of chip into the burn cycle, you'll be able to move to the next color, which could 
actually let you cover a great deal of distance, allowing you to get to the hubs faster. Each time you land on a hub, you'll gain a bonus that actually is quite helpful for trying to mitigate threat, gaining power for your bot, as well as increasing the strength of your network itself. After the network phase, you will actually be able to have another opportunity to spend any power that you would like to purchase additional burn cycle chips, passive or activated abilities, or purchase additional dice to add to your dice pool. After this, you will degrade the burn cycle by rolling a dice, and that dice will indicate which chip will be degraded in the burn cycle. Whenever that chip is degraded, you will not be able to take an action for that. So as the game continues, each player will degrade one chip on their turn, resulting in less actions. At some point, players will have to decide whether or not they want to reboot the burn cycle, which allows them to gain all their default chips back, as well as any chips in their cache that they have purchased. They will also get bonus chips for each room chip type that they are in. This is really important because rebooting the burn cycle is essential for maximizing your action efficiency. However, every time you reboot the burn cycle, it comes at the cost of increasing the threat. And of course, once you reach the maximum level of threat for that scenario, you lose the game. After every player has taken their turn, you will then proceed to the corporation turn. The first thing that happens on the corporation turn is that the security guards will activate. Each one has a different movement pattern, as well as a different priority pattern for activating depending on whether or not that your robot had been seen or detected while it's moving around the map. Each guard has two stats, one for movement and one for line of sight range. As your robot crosses a guard's line of sight range, it will leave what is called an awareness chip. If the awareness chip is within its line of sight range, Guards will activate by pursuing this chip. There are also situations that you will leave an awareness chip, but will not be in line of sight of a guard. This is what would usually result from, say, doing something that would generate a lot of noise, and that will trigger a different priority for the guards that causes it to investigate this noise. Both Pursue and Investigate are going to be very similar, where the closest bot will beeline for the awareness chip to try to find where the bot that it had spotted was. If it does end up adjacent to your bot, you will take damage equal to the guard's level, and that damage is taken from your power. So not only does it potentially put your bot in danger of dying, it also reduces your dice pool for the next turn. If there are no awareness chips on the board, then the security guards will actually patrol. Each guard has a different movement pattern, some of them patrolling around the perimeter of the map, and some of them will patrol back and forth in a straight line, or some of them will be stationary but have an insane sight distance. After resolving the security phase, you'll actually go to the ping activation phase for the network. Similar to the way that you will activate your IP on the network, the corporation will add pings and move it clockwise around the network trying to catch your IPs. If for some reason the enemy ping catches up to your IP, you will compare network levels. If your network level happens to be higher, you will remove the enemy ping from the map and reduce your network strength by 1. If the enemy ping happens to be higher, 
then they will reboot your IP all the way back to its starting zone and you will not be able to re-enter the network map until you reboot the burn cycle, depriving you of valuable bonuses gained from the hub. After the enemy ping activation phase, you will just advance the threat level by the number of players in the game, and then starting with the first player, you will begin the next round of player activations. The goal of this game is to use the tools and abilities given to you to try to complete your mission objective. As soon as you're completing every objective on the floor, you'll have to enter a safe zone with both you, every player's bot and the autonomous command module that all the players control. Once you do this, you will be able to advance to the next level if there is one. And if you reach the final level, you will actually complete the mission and win the game. So Johnny, since you've actually never played Burn Cycle until our recent sessions, Tell me what you think about this game. Yeah, so I would say my first impression, our, our first game, like, you know, it was, we're going through rules teach. It was after I think I had just had lunch or something. Like, I was just, tr like, this game is, like, you know, true to every chip theory game. It's got a lot of rules and, like, interactions and nuances to it. But, you know, after playing that first game and just kind of getting a feel for it, like, I didn't have a, my initial impression was, like, the the game was fun. Um, like, it but the the it was i don't know how to describe it the, the that first play wasn't exactly didn't sell me on the game but it didn't dissuade me from playing the game again with you for the second time so just going off my first impression there's just a lot of things going on in that that initial rules teaching a lot of rules to like get through but once we got through and i got a feel for the game our second play i think is what made me um really enjoy the game a lot more because in the second play what i found with this is like you you talked about it a little bit too with the with the game having um like multiple systems built in you have a little action programming you have you know the stealth tactical grid movement and then you have the like the extra mini game with the uh the network and everything like that and it's a lot to to process um so I still feel like I can't fully wrap my brain around this game. Um, but that said, I think this is, I feel like this is the most accessible of the chip theory games. I don't know if that's more because you were managing a lot of the keywords on like the patrol bots or whatnot. But I felt like once I kind of felt like I had an idea how all the systems work, I didn't really have to reference, you know, like a, a spreadsheet of like keyword abilities because your bot, your main character, like that when you look at it, it has its three abilities that you upgrade into. You have your power stats and you have a few general skills that are available to everyone. So just looking at that, that's it's pretty straightforward to to parse that information out. Like like is there a lot of um technical keywords and stuff? Like I didn't really see you having to flip for besides looking up like a few keywords here and there, but it wasn't like our other past plays like Cloudspire or uh Too Many Bones. You're definitely right about that. That's actually one of the points that I emphasized a lot in the initial review of Burn Cycle. This is by far the most accessible of the big chip theory games. And it's honestly like not really saying much because there is still a tremendous rules overhead about this game. Like from the timing of when the bots like can move and the timing of when the guards react and how they react it took me a solid six plays before i really was like okay now i finally understand how the ai for the bots work and 
without someone kind of guiding you along with the game flow, it's like super hard to understand like what you're actually trying to do because like chip theory, like they kind of took the FFG approach with this game and they made like a learn to play like rules book where it kind of walks you through the first couple turns and like kind of gives you an idea of how the game flow works. But teaching it to you this time was a lot harder for me than it was the first time with Chan because when I played with Chan, we kind of just went through the learn to play guide. Not doing that with you and just teaching you off like off the cuff, like referencing some of those materials was really hard and also not having a more like thorough example of enemy AI and how it functions like those kind of things were really clunky as far as getting like the rules down. But I will say now, which hopefully that after like six plus plays that like the rules are finally gelled, it actually does really gel. And it actually is really easy for me to come back to now. Like now that I've kind of like nailed down the last bits of how the AI runs, I could probably teach this game in like 15, 20 minutes. And even for our teach, like it really wasn't that bad kind of explaining how the actions worked and the action points worked. But the consequence of that was like the actual strategic implementation of those abilities was like completely like impossible to grok. Like even explaining to you all the rules, like one of the first things you said was just like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And it's like so (laughs) sandboxy in that aspect that you don't have a ton of choices on what you can do, but yet you still don't really know what to do other than move around and try to complete these objectives. Because having played this again with you, I realized the emphasis on the strategy is kind of just gaming the bot movements or the uh, guard movements. And since the guard ships are kind of randomly generated, each time you play a scenario, even if it's the same scenario, the bots are going to move differently. And the way that they patrol changes how you approach it. When we played this game, you know, we had this one bot that actually didn't patrol. So me and you were like, oh, this is going to be so great. We can all just like, pile in on this corner get our get our objective and get out but we found out that oh only one bot can be in any escape room space and then we had to divert a lot of time and a lot of resources into going to the second safe room to escape but now because the bots are or the guards are different than what they were on our first play how we had to approach it actually changed dramatically from what we did last time We played the same scenario twice, y'all, and we took two different approaches to how we had to escape. And obviously, we did much better the second time we actually won our second game. First game, we got just crushed. We didn't make it past the first floor the first game. Our goal was to get to the second floor. I don't think that even happened. Or if it happened, like we got to the second floor and it was game over. Yeah, and that was actually another thing that I noticed from my first play to the second play, too. We had a different bot. I played a different bot between the first game and the second game. And that did change what I did a little bit because like having the little minion on my uh, bot on the second play completely changed how I approached that strategy, like totally different on how I wanted to escape and how I wanted to manipulate the guards. 
But one of the most interesting things that I noticed between these two back-to-back plays was when we changed the captain chip from the first game to the second game, it completely like changed everything. Because in our first game that we played, the captain chip in the burn cycle would uh, cause us to lose two... Um, lose or a chip gain two no gain two threat wait is it we would either we either take a threat or we would have to lose a chip in the reserve that's what it was so you're it was right. clocking us yeah. yeah and that absolutely clobbered us on our action efficiency and then when we played the second game like uh what a week later or a couple days later um mm-hmm. our captain chip didn't let us alter the burn cycle of any chip that was adjacent to the captain chip so that made us have to just deal with losing actions on every turn because we couldn't alter the burn cycle until the captain ship got degraded, which we would only do by costing us two additional action points or waiting for it to randomly degrade from the die roll. Mm-hmm. That changed the feel between the two games dramatically, even though we played the exact same scenario and the exact same like um, corporation. Layout. Yeah. It was the same map layout too, right? Exactly the same. Yeah, it definitely felt way different. But, you know, I don't know how much of it is. I played the same characters on both of them. And I felt more useful the first play than the second play. But I think that was more based on my bot's ability. But I think that's kind of cool in the game that um, the game will play differently depending on which character you main for it and everything, or which bots you bring into this into the scenario. Yeah, one of the things that I've heard criticism about this game is that they didn't a lot of people didn't really think that there was enough variability if the layout is the same but the captain ship the bots you play and even how the guards patrol actually has a pretty significant impact and i finally am seeing the variability in how we play like the like having played this scenario probably 3 times now cuz i think i played the same one with chan totally different every time because when i played this game with chan I was playing this bot that was good at punching things and I was like breaking through walls to get inside like rooms to be able to escape and stuff like totally different feel between the two games just because of the bot I played and the captain ship that or the captain that we chose to play against. Yeah, like like you said to like the between the two plays that we had the it felt drastically different for me just playing the same character because the first one we had like you act you add in the captain ship different bots and then the the patrol bots are even different because uh this one we had like like these big sentries that walked a straight line back and forth or had like a super long field of view our first one we had one that pro- would patrol the perimeter so when we finished a room we were trying to get to another part of the room that bot had like worked its way to almost to our corner and we basically got boxed in and we had to like make a, a run for it and it was just and you got like a you opened a room and spawned another bot it was just like bad stuff piling up on bad stuff like like we misread the situation how we we should approach with the with a patrol bot like if we had a patrol bot on our second play we wouldn't have been probably able to recover like we did with our like misunderstanding of how to escape absolutely yeah like um in that second play the kind of like the left side of the map had no patrol it just had a bot that was kind of like chilling in the corner but it never moved so as long as we stayed out of its line of sight, it would never do anything. But like, if that one was patrolling, ooh, the, I shh, we would never, we would not. Well, we would have had a totally different approach from the beginning. 
But I mean, you know, not to harp on it, but it's just something that I was concerned about. And I know a lot of people have also expressed concern about the lack of replayability. I've been playing the same scenario like back to back to back now with both you and Chan. And each of those plays has been different. I'm sure that if you played this one scenario enough times, it probably will start to feel samey once you've played all the bots on it, played against all the captains. Okay, yeah, it probably will be probably reached its limits on plays, but each map, like each corporation you're fighting against has like literally six scenarios. And if you apply that same idea of different like captain chips, different bots and different guards, it actually creates a surprising amount of variability, something that I was very pleased with because it was initially a concern and I'm glad that I was able to see that through these last these last two recent plays. Yeah, I always appreciate that in a game where the variable setup um, makes it feel like a uh, different enough each play. So that's definitely a pro that I put in this game. Like, uh, you know, I know that if we play it again next time, it'll be completely different. Even if we play, run the same scenario, because I would probably pick a different bot and we'll probably randomly draw a boss and everything. Is that is that how normal setup is? You just randomly pick a boss for you, or is it like recommended bosses per scenario or captains? I mean, I random. Okay. I just randomly, yeah, I just picked a chip, threw it in there. It's super modular in that sense, like. Would it be cool if there was like a variable map? Yeah, but we kind of had this talk when we talked about um, crud. What game was it? A variable map? Yeah, like like a lot of these games, you want a variable map because you think that like it'll create replay value. But the thing is, is because this is like a stealth game and you have to have like a certain amount of space to be able to move and you don't want like a randomly generated map that doesn't give you access to certain parts creating like an impossible to solve puzzle like you just can't do that in this kind of game like it's a stealth movement game with patrolling guards like if you randomly generated this map it could very easily just put you in a situation like a no-win situation like it's it'll it will happen more often than not like even if you had like the sandbox of abilities to try to bust through walls or anything, it just is impossible for these kind of games. I would love to be proven wrong if anyone could make a stealth movement game where the like the maps are randomly generated. I don't think it's possible. Yeah. I, I mean, I've only played like three of them. I mean, this is my first stealth game, and then I have Metal Gear Solid coming, but that's also scenario based as well too. So it's probably they have like, to be. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they I have to the be. design like like you said. I don't see how they would be able to just do a random generator for it like that, or balance it at least. You you can do it random, but it won't be balanced. That's true. Now it's really bothering me. Like I can't remember because I swear we've talked about this because like in order for. The game to be scenario based, it has to have a fixed map, and ooh, that's gonna bother me. We're gonna be like like we wrapping f- up the podcast. I'm gonna be like, OMG, Johnny, I finally remember what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, we we have a lot of episodes out now, so it's hard to think back on all the episodes. It was easier <laughs> when it's like, oh yeah, four episodes ago. Yeah, I know. Um, so something else that uh, I noticed a lot with this back to back plays with you is. The world like actually started opening up and I don't like not so much thematically because honestly, like I didn't read too much of like the lore for this game, but 
having like a better understanding of the rules now got me over some hurdles where I kind of felt like much more immersed in what we were doing with the game. You know, like I, I kind of describe it as a little bit sandboxy. And the only reason why I say that is because some of like these like stealth based games, you know, you're really just trying to move and escape or you might have a couple abilities, but this game kind of gives you a lot more options. Granted, it's not as many options as a game like Too Many Bones or Cloud Spire, but you know, they gave you the options of attacking the guards or stunning the guards, breaking through walls and like just things that you could theoretically do if you were in this situation and it's nice that they give you these options rather than just playing like the counting game and just trying to map out your movements like having those options and having a better understanding of the rules gave me an opportunity to have more outside of the box thinking compared to before when I was still like over encumbered by the amount of rules that I was just like okay Let's just wait for him to patrol by, and then we'll go and run through, you know? Yeah, like, uh, they they do front-load you with a lot of rules in this game, which, but, you know, I would say it's a con, but not really, because if you're playing a chip theory game, or this is not your first chip theory game, you know what kind of what you're getting into. It's not, you know, this is not a straight, you know, open-the-box game from Target that you're going to look through the, read through the rule book once and be like, okay, I, I can play this once and, you know, be a pro at it already. Yeah, Chip Theory has like this amazing ability to make a ton of lifestyle games that I just don't have the life to play for. <laughs> <laughs> like all their games are lifestyle games. They're so deep, they're so wide, and it's just like there's so much content that you can explore, but realistically, I just will never be able to explore all of it as much as I want to. I just know I I just cannot. And Burn Cycle being the most accessible of them, guess what its weight is on BGG? like a 3.84 wow actually that's a really good guess it's 3.96 okay yeah that's, so like it, it feel you feel it's full weight when you when you're learning and playing the game yeah it's like you like you are telling me the most accessible game from this company is a 3.96 like how Ooh. how is that possible it's a bunch of geniuses over there <laughs> Mensa members. I mean, I feel like you do need to be a Mensa member to, to play like any other games, really. Or like play it well, Sometimes. at least. Oh, for sure, play it well. But you know what? Doesn't matter. Just roll good, and then you'll just automatically win. Yeah, just That's look into victory like we did, you know? <laughs> um, ooh, you know what? Uh, this kind of reminds me. So one of the things that I noticed from how you played the game between your first play and your second play was after we got over the initial rules burden and kind of getting a flow a feel for the flow of the game it was really cool to actually watch you start to like unravel the puzzle because like when we got to the end of the second game like you started taking control and just saying like okay um i want to move like we realized that we are getting like we made a huge goof and we were pressed for time because we wasted like three turns and the threat escalated like six points and you're you realize this and you are trying to manipulate the network map to be able to reduce our threat 
by staying on the second level and just moving around to get to the hubs to reduce our threat. Mm -hmm. Like that blew my mind because like when I taught you this game, I explained what the network hub does, but I'm not like telling you like, oh, if you are behind on threat, you know, you want to do this. Or if you're trying to, you know, whatever you came to that conclusion on your own. And it was really, really cool for me to see that your first play was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just moving. And then just whatever to you starting to pull all the levers that chip theory gives you in order to achieve our goal. And we did, we escaped, we completed our objective and we escaped with like probably one round left to play. Like if we had another round, we would not have made it. Yeah. We need everything to like line up perfectly for it to work. Mm -hmm. And especially when we reached the third floor of our scenario, like I felt like that was when the game started firing on all cylinders because we we saw the end in sight and we were like, okay, here's the layout of the floor. Here's where the bots are. These are what they're going to do. And they threw some really interesting like tools at us because on the third, like the first two floors were pretty straightforward. You know, we are avoiding the guards. We hit our objectives and we escaped to get to the next floor. But on the last floor, all the guards had this like crazy ability to go through walls and I remember when we set this up and I read these abilities, we're both just like, all right, we just, we lost, whatever. But we sat there and we were like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to like basically juggle um, being seen to bait the bots to move in a certain direction so that we could divert their attention away from the actual objective where we could send our uh, command module bot, like our, uh, third player bot dummy bot to complete the objective and i thought that was really cool because like truth be told like i've never gotten to the third floor on this same scenario me and chan lost in our play me and you lost in our uh first play of this and when i played this game solo i never played the longer like um three story scenarios because you know i'm trying to learn and i'm also not trying to sit down for four hours to play one learning game <laughs> on three levels i just played the single single level missions so getting to the third floor of this game was new to me and like for that one floor where the game started firing and we were having the table talk and like having a plan and then executing the plan this is what i love about chip theory games because you get this plan and then guess what it comes down to dice rolls and that's when it's always the most exciting because you want to do something and you're like i need to move seven spaces and you have to wager how many dice you want to commit because you commit too many you're going to waste them you commit too few you don't miss you don't reach the point you need to reach and you could potentially strand yourself that one floor brought all these little things to life for me and it was just like a really really fun experience like probably the most fun i've had playing burn cycle was when we got to the third floor of our scenario yeah the third floor was like when like like uh i found that spark for this game that i enjoyed a lot because like the tension was like at its peak when we got to the third floor 
because we we kind of dilly dallied on the first floor with our goof. Second floor, we're like we knew what we needed to do, but we kind of got stuck on some of the roles, so we're like we're really falling behind. So when we hit that third floor, and you're like, there's no way you can win. And but we had the tension. We're like we just just maybe we can eke it out. So just you know the plan that we had to formulate to even like get to have a chance at winning was really cool. And then uh, rolling the dice, obviously, us we had those like single usable dice that if, if once you like can roll higher than your average dice, and then we so you rolling those was, was like kind of added to that fun tension as well too so that the dice works in this game even though you know some of its role to move which might be a deterrent for some people yeah i mean it's it is kind of scary because i know like a lot of people think role to move is like as far from the like a strategic experience as you can get but i mean this is what chip theory does you know they let you create this plan and they want you to fail by having terrible roles. And it's up to the player to plan and also try to find a way to mitigate it. In other games, like Too Many Bones, you know, there is some re-rolls and a little bit of mitigation. But they combat poor dice rolls by giving you bones that you can cash in to do special abilities. Burn Cycle kind of does the same thing. You can wager as many dice as you want to roll and complete your objective, whether it's moving or trying to un- uh, bust open a lock or knocking out a guard. Chip Theory puts the power in your hands to be able to choose how many dice you want to roll. If you fail this roll because of bad RNG, you can only blame yourself because you didn't wager enough dice. And if you roll twice as much as you needed and you or inefficient with your dice, that's also your fault too. And one thing that Burn Cycle does in particular is that you can actually keep all your blanks. So it actually never feels bad to roll bad. It only feels bad when you don't have enough dice to do what you want to do. And unfortunately, that just comes down to being a poor player, which is actually me because i always like was just always short on stuff i mean give yourself credit we uh we shortchanged ourselves because every time we finished an objective we didn't level up and get the extra power that we we're supposed to oh yeah that, we that played out an extra deal. hard mode we didn't realize that until like we finished part one objective of floor three i know like we didn't realize that at all the extra power would have been so nice because like those three powers is easily one new ability or an upgraded dice or potentially even like the super like elite level dice. So yeah, it, that definitely made things harder, but it probably wouldn't have been as hard anyway if we didn't just like bum around for like three rounds on the first floor because yeah. we thought that we had an easy out. So we wanted to be greedy and go grab items. That was a mistake. Yeah. But, but that, that's like a, that's the sandbox element, you know, that like um, I didn't mind that element of the game at all. Like, you know, exp- exploration is like being able to explore a game is always a, a positive for me as long as the the actions that you can take are thematic and just um, like a blend in with the rest of the mechanics, basically. Yeah. So like that is a good point because it kind of like I remember when we didn't realize that the safe zone could only harbor one bot. I was like, well, we got all this time. Let's just grab stuff and buff ourselves for the next floor. And that's exactly something that I would do in pretty much any single game. You know, like we talk about playing dungeon crawlers, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we got extra turns. Like we don't have to kill the boss yet. 
I'm gonna go. What the heck are I'm you gonna talking go about, this man? tree and get all these rewards. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? You would not let me do any of the fun stuff yeah, in Descent. I know. That's why. That's why we. That's why we hate Descent now because you did not stay true to the nature of that game. Bro, we're like anti-fun like, police I'm like, over here. I'm like fighting six goblins, and you're over here climbing the tree to search for loot. I'm like. That loot could have saved you from the six skeletons, but we'll never know now, will we? Because both of us have sold our copies. I still can't believe you got a copy. You didn't even, you never played it. I enjoyed it. it. I played it all the time. No, you did not. I played it like at least six scenarios in. Oh, wow. That's pretty impressive, actually. But three-handed that game, once because that game, once it scaled up, oof, it was, it was too much for my brain. Oh, yeah. It's still fun. It was still fun. I still yep. look very fondly on that. Yeah, but uh, maybe we'll check out the demo for the second one. Yeah, at Gen Con. I doubt it. I know. Um, so originally, I gave this game a seven. Um, when I reviewed this with Chan, some of my main complaints were I was pretty annoyed by like how overproduced this game was. Not because I don't enjoy overproduced components, but some of the overproduction of this game actually made it harder to like use the game and play the game, you know? And like like what? What was overproduced? I thought I everything was uh had its place. It fit fine to me at least. So, my biggest issue the first time around was the neoprene rooms on top of the giant neoprene mat. And I get it. This is like Chip Theory's thing to use neoprene for everything. But it's like when I'm searching through to build these rooms, I guarantee you it is so annoying to have to flip-flop these stupid neoprene mats to try to find the room <laughs> you're looking for rather than just kind of like shuffle through cardboard tiles real quick, you know? Yeah, I didn't have to set up, so I didn't have to suffer through it. But yeah, all the games that like uh, Arcadia Quest, Masters of the Universe, or scenario-based games where you have to like flip through and find like the tiles, even if it's not chipped through, like uh, those have always been annoying. Like Gloomhaven, Ugh. like I just yeah, like Descent kind of spoiled us on that. I think like Descent's the way to do it. Yeah, Descent. Yeah, when you're building it out as you go, so nice. Yeah. it's just it's good pacing because. Like, well, we don't have to get into it, but it was really nice because you would read the narrative while I'm building the next couple things. Like, it, had, it just had a great flow to it. Like, yeah. this game, like, the flow going from level to level kind of brings, like, your momentum to a little bit of a standstill because, like, you could have a really great round and be really excited for the next floor. And it's like, okay, hold on. Let's, let's set up the next level. And I'm, like, flipping through these neoprene mats. And it's like... Like, I can't, like, it's just like a physical thing, you know? If you had, like, cardboard tiles, you could literally just shuffle them in your hand going from top to bottom and to find the ones that you want. Nope. I'm literally, like, taking it, putting it down, taking it, putting it down. Like, I just can't shuffle them. They're too, there's too much friction. It just doesn't work. It's so stupid. Yeah, it's I'm... the stupidest thing, but it, it's so annoying. <laughs> It's a, it's just it's, it sounds super annoying because like we, like I said like other games using even just cardboard tiles annoy me already so I'm glad I'm not the one that had to do that yeah but I will say though like uh, setup and teardown for this game wasn't terrible like uh, I don't know if it's just like I got more familiar with it or maybe like it's just playing the same scenario I kind of just had like a feel for it it was not bad at all like setup was actually really quick. 
teardown was a little bit slower because I had to put the neoprene back in like its little perfectly f- like vacuum formed like plastic tray and there you can only put it in one way. I'm like, dude, you guys should just give me like a like a cavity and just dumped it all in there. Like I didn't need this like super precise vacuum form thing where I had to lay it on each other like in a perfect way. You have to wait for the burn cycle trove box before that happens. Oh my god. Uh, you know what? I will say if Chip Theory were to offer me a trove chest for every game that they made, I would buy it. I would actually kill for a, a Cloud Spire trove chest, but it also would... That one needs it. It does need it, but that would also prevent me from ever bringing that game over. Oh yeah, because we play it so much. Hey, you could be the CTG guy now. You are, you you back to CTG game. It's time. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And then um, the other chief complaint I had about Burn Cycle, I believe, was just kind of like there was a little bit of replayability issues that I think I addressed with like seeing the variability in the captain chip as well as the uh, um, the boss that you choose. But I was also kind of like really annoyed by the rules overhead you know like my thing was like i like this game i had a good time playing it and i would play it but the thing is is like how often am i really looking to get a stealthy movement game out to the table especially one that has such a huge rules overhead i will say that having played it again I have a good enough grasp on the rules where that's not as big of an issue anymore. Like I kind of like could walk someone through their turns while they're taking it and not have to reference as much. I feel better about that. But unfortunately the game, like our most recent play still has not really created like where i want this game to fit in my collection like when would i pull this out over something else like i don't know if it's maybe i'm just not a big of a fan of stealth movement games even though i like enjoyed playing burn cycle i just don't know where this fits in my collection or if it has like more legs to it but i will say the scenario that i've played with you and chan has been the simplest low complexity scenario and there's probably a lot of opportunity for more complex mechanisms and complex objectives that really will bring that like that third level that tension we got on the third level of our scenario down to the other levels and instead of having this like gradual ramp it just starts you off at like maximum tension and if the other later like more complex scenarios are able to do that i could see it being like a much more um like i could see it hitting the table more often but until i can find that like sweet spot of tension and like that desire to be like okay let's run it back i think i know how we can beat this i still don't know where this game fits in my collection yeah, I I don't know either. Like, uh, I'll give you a score in a little bit here. Like the the pros I have of this game is like it feels like to me when I when I when we were playing it, it gave me the same vibe as like if Chip Theory like took Spirit Island and put their own their own uh, spin on it. Basically, like it's a heavier co op. Obviously, um, really can't quarterback because there's just so many systems. Like the game is layered with all these different systems, and it 
kind of feels like a little bit too much for what I'm looking for because a stealth, like a stealth game, like I expect it to be a little bit slower pace, which it is because we're you have to plan because you're not you know like oh jump in there fight this bot clear them and everything like that so it's not like a in your face like fighting game or skirmish or anything like that so it's a lot more tactical a lot more planning a lot more slower pace and you have all these systems you have to juggle so like you know it's impossible to have like an alpha gamer in this game you're not it's like there's no way you could have managed my character the controller bot and then your character at the same time like i was asking you for advice but you're like you always had enough to, to figure out what to do on your turn already so like that's good but for me, it felt like it was just a little bit too much still because, like, we're working together, and then there's. I just felt like I had to use more brain power than I was willing to, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like sometimes you want, like, you want the puzzle to kind of be in the sweet spot of, I want to think, but I don't want to hurt. And this game, for me at least, I guess you're a little bit further on the on the spectrum, but like. It just kept treading the line between like good and hurt. And I think that like having a better understanding of the rules brought that threshold lower for me where it wasn't quite as like painful because most of the time I kind of knew what I wanted to do. And it was really just managing the burn cycle and like the network to try to find a way to do it. But at the same time, it's like, one of my biggest annoyances with games, which I actually brought up during our play because I know you hate it too, is counting movement. I really don't like games where I'm constantly counting how far the AI can move and where it can move or where it can see. And I don't like playing that way because it feels like you're gaming the system. But as like really just one of three stealth games to the other two literally being burgle brothers one and burgle brothers two i don't really see any other way to implement a stealth game without trying to like like gaming the system like knowing that the guards will move you know three spaces here and then they'll see four spaces here so if we avoid this zone we'll be good or if we like run through their line of sight here they're gonna move this way and then we can do that like those kind of like mathy parts of the game kind of like just take away some of the fun for me so like i kind of get I, I i do get where you're coming from with like how hard you have to think because like this game is really punishing if you get caught and like hit by the bot so it's really yeah, like a Sorry, go ahead. That counting part. No, the counting part is what I was trying to get to. That I couldn't put the words to that you that you're you're talking about. Like you have to count on the network. Like oh, this is you know look at the burn cycle. This is where I'm going to end up moving, and then this is where the um, the enemy activation triggers are going to go. And if they cross paths, this bad things happen. And then you have to count paths like you know where you're moving your bot, and then you have to factor in their perception. Like all those things are like you know when once we mapped it out and our plan executed it felt great but like getting the, the calculation part like the planning part i like i did not enjoy that planning part like i do when we play other co-op games where like bloodborne for example where i'm looking at my card of actions and i'm planning off playing off of you like that felt satisfying versus this yeah no i totally agree like in bloodborne your hand dictates what you can do and your puzzle becomes managing your hand the actions that your hand is giving you 
this game almost hurts itself by being sandboxy because you're evaluating options A and seeing the risks of doing A. Then you're like, okay, well, what if I did B? And then these are the risks would be, okay, well, C would have these risks. And at this point, you're just like, bro, just move. Like, it's it'll be fine, you know? And you don't want a situation where you aren't being efficient and you're not trying to do your best to win you know like the get this game almost feels like it's encouraging you to be sloppy because the game honestly will become more chaotic and probably generate a little bit of like excitement from it being like a super dry mathy movement puzzle you know it's like if you were brody you could probably play this whole game as four characters complete the objective never get caught and never like struggle because you could just math out the perfect probabilities of like or the perfect pathway of everything but chip theory decides to throw a bunch of dice into the pool and that's what really forces you from having like a solvable problem you know like the randomness created by the dice is what's really going to throw the wrench in your plans and that's where the tactical action and the tactical play has to come from I do appreciate that part, but I really just don't like counting movement and constantly tracking like where they are going. One of the reasons why, like, it's funny that you mentioned Burn Cycle or um, Spirit Island being similar to Burn Cycle is because in Spirit Island, the thing I hated the most about playing Spirit Island was thinking about, okay, well, I know that the island or like the uh, mountain and the forest cards have come out. So if it's a swamp car, then the invaders are going to come here and then they're going to do this and do that. And it's just like this mathy chain reaction that I just kind of like abstract feeling. Yeah. Almost. I don't have the effort or the desire to like visualize the chain reaction of what they're going to do. And this game gives me a similar feeling, although not quite as bad. But it is something that I noticed more with our my second play than I or my second play with you than all the previous plays combined. Like that was a really good point, basically. Yeah, and then the other thing I have that I, I would say it's a maybe it's a con or it's kind of in the between is like the if you're when you approach a stealth game you want to be patient you want to plan and everything but this game like you said is a sandboxy kind of game so it's kind of like um dichotomizing because like i when i play a sandbox game i kind of just want to go with the flow kind of just kind of try this and see what happens but i i felt like in this game i could not do that because i don't want to just randomly try something because you know i've the i feel like the, the threat clocks you so fast like you know i finish my turn you finish your turn we're like you know a fifth of the way to like you know the end of the game already so i have to be more conservative with my actions and plan everything more thoroughly versus kind of just like oh let's try open this door and see what happens like i i didn't feel like i could explore that aspect of the game where i can just kind of be meander through or like it's a stealth game but there's a really quick timer like when i play a stealth game i like to you know like like a video game but when, when it's stealthy i like to kind of just, you know peek around the corner see what happens okay i don't like that i'll backtrack and then wait for the guard to rerun the patrol you don't really have that ability to kind of like um survey the the game you know what the bots do and you but then you have the the threat which will trigger and the game constantly pressures which is 
cool because that adds it that gives you that tension that you want in our co-ops but like those two things like that it's a stealth co-op game and it's sandboxy those two elements kind of clash for me like it didn't work as well as i think uh like uh they intended or or maybe that's what they intended but it didn't work for me personally um i guess i could see where you're coming from in regards to it being like too restrictive like i don't know if it's possible to create um a stealth movement game without some kind of clock like even in um even in burgle bros like once the guard deck runs out like they basically just beeline towards you you know like in in um in burgle bros you play on a four by four grid and the guard patrol cards will randomly flip over and then put a like a target marker on one of the 16 grids and you know the path he's going to take he always takes the shortest path you can math it out, but it's only a six by a four by four grid. You kind of know immediately what he's gonna do, and you play around it. Burgle Bros clocks you because once that guard deck runs out, they just beeline for the closest person, and without that kind of like threat of escalation, like you're never gonna feel incentivized to play briskly. Like it's 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 a weird description that you're giving me because I don't think it's possible to have a stealth yeah. game that lets you explore those things. It's almost like it's almost like you want to try things and see what happens, but you know you're gonna lose. So you don't wanna try it. And I get that. But I think the way the game presents that puzzle is these are your tools. We want you to try them, but you will probably lose. But now you know next time. Like, even if you want to bust through a wall, you have to do an action point check of 10 to bust through a wall. So even if your plan was to bust through this wall and you roll short, that's how they get you. And that's where, like, the chaos comes from, from this particular type of stealth game, which, like, having only played Burgle Brothers 1 and 2 before... I think this is much better than Burgle Brothers, but it does come with a much heavier rule set, a much longer playtime, way higher cost, but it is it is still more fun to me to play this than Burgle Brothers, which I believe we have played together too. Yeah, we played it. We you taught us uh, like Homecon or something, I think. Yeah. It's a short little game. I enjoyed it, but it just kind of was like super abstract and it wasn't as fun as burn cycle was and i didn't need two stealth games i don't even know if i need one stealth game yeah like i don't know like uh we'll see how metal gear solid turns out to be like it looks interesting and it's cheap enough for me to try it at least but i don't know if like i've always liked the idea of stealth games and i played like metal gear solid the video game growing up and when i play rpgs i always do a stealth build but you know, there's action elements to those games where you have like a gun, you have a bow, you have ways to take out your enemies. Like I like that style of gameplay, like an action, like hybrid stealth game. Like like an op- I like action games that have a stealth element. But I don't think I prefer a, like a hundred percent stealth game like Burn Cycle. And like I think the game is good. Um, I just don't think the the planning and the kind of just accounting squares. Like there's just enough like uh i don't know how to describe it exactly i want to say like enough there's just one too many systems in the game and enough 
too many things for me to think about, I guess, to for me to fully enjoy. It's, it's a good puzzle, but it's not a puzzle I don't feel like I have the energy to always commit to. Like, I can play this game maybe a couple times a year, but it's not a game I'm going to be asking to play every time. Yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I had this internal debate um, with myself after the first podcast with Chan, but I held on to it because I love CTG and I know that they make the games that I know I like. Like both Cloudspire and Too Many Bones have been just phenomenal games for me, like right in my wheelhouse. Like I want to play more Cloudspire, but I don't know if Burn Cycle is that kind of game. Like my faith in the company is going to keep it around a little while longer and I'm going to try a more complex scenario, maybe something that's more interesting that gives you like... Like, I mean, let's be real here. Like, we played this most simple scenario. We both had to go access a terminal. We both had to go get a cache, uh, or a cache, I'm sorry. And then we both had to escape while the third bot um, had to go into the executive office. The first two floors, the game forced us to basically just go grab this item and leave. Like, that's super basic, kind of boring. And I can't help but notice that coincidentally, once we reached the third floor where me and you had to get the third bot into the executive office while these bots are now able to fly through walls beelining for us, that presented a fun puzzle. And I liked the third floor. Will the rest of the other scenarios, the more complex ones, be able to give me this kind of like feel? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I still don't know when I would pull this out. Like if you said, hey, I want to play a chip theory game. I'm going to bring burn cycle or too many bones. No doubt in my mind. I would never pick burn cycle over either of those mean, two games. You mean uh, Cloud Spire. You mean Cloud Spire and too many bones, right? You said burn cycle. And too oh, many bones. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. Cloud Spire and too many bones. Like I, gotcha. I could never see myself picking burn cycle over those two. And I don't know if I like stealth games enough to keep Burn Cycle and play it, but my faith in CTG will keep it around a little while longer, mostly because I also have the second wave of Kickstarter expansions coming for this game that I bought for some unknown reason. But I'll give it maybe one more chance. Maybe if I played it with Mark, who likes burn cycle maybe the experience for me will be different like playing with like a big brain versus smooth brain but not me yeah i don't know but my original score for this was a seven it stays at a seven for now but i really don't know where this game will fall in my collection like i don't know if it will stay it's only a like i think i give i think my score for cloud spire is an eight but I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of Cloud Spire because that game is right in my wheelhouse. Like, this is just one point below, but it is for sure going to be under heavy scrutiny over these next couple months whenever the uh, next wave of expansions come out. Yeah, like um, my score, like a uh, like if if I'm just judging off of the first two levels that we played until we got to that third level, I would probably put it right around a five. But then that when we finally got to that third floor in our second play, I was like, dang, this game's really like it was like fun. We got adrenaline pumping. Um and you know, 
that I can, I feel like I can get that feeling from other co-ops that we've played, like you know Bloodborne or even like Cloudspire, like you know just rallying around, like trying to come up with these cool plans to do things. Like that same tension, I feel like I can get in other games, but that ramp up is a lot more enjoyable in those other games. So I was hovering around a five and a six, and I, I want to land on a six probably. Like a, like it would take like um if they can if the other scenarios can give me the same feeling that the third floor does i can see myself bumping the game up to a seven but right now i have to put it at a six like i'm like i'll play it when you want to play it but it's not a game i want to ask for like if i'm asking for a chip theory game it's probably gonna be cloud spire from your collection right oh now. yeah dude i want to play cloud spire bad <laughs> but uh, i know just talking this review this is like last time i was like oh yeah man i really hate scarface but now i want to play this <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like i don't know man i I want to like this game. I really do, but I'm really struggling. Like, I know there's a good game here, but I just don't know if I like stealth games that much. Like, I really don't. Uh, hopefully, Metal Gear will be cool enough to kind of, like, help us decide if stealth games are in our wheelhouse, you know? It's like, like I kind of think about dudes on a map and area control games, like almost every area control game just dropped like a whole point maybe two points in its rating because i'm just so bored of area control like i think rising sun is probably me and yours favorite area control game right i would agree yeah i think i had rising sun as like a nine or an eight at one point and now i don't know if i ever want to play it again like and the sad part is it's like it was a nine when I played it last and I have not played it again since then. And I feel like it's sitting at like a seven or a six. Now I just do not want to play area control. Like I am just done with that. I genre. think if, I think if we played rising sun again, we'd have a really good time and it would justify like an eight or nine probably if, like with, if it was a really good, great game, but it's just like, I would prefer to play something else in that time slot. Yeah. Like your comparison about wanting to like, that that comment you made about the ramp up for other co-ops that provide the same kind of tension for us i don't think you could have said it any better than that because what i really want from the game is that tension is that table talk is that planning and execution that we had in the third floor of burn cycle and if you told me that okay well there is a scenario that you could get that for those same three floors Will that tension and enjoyment be the same or better than what Uprising would give us? Do I? Oh yeah, that's yeah. another one. Do I like stealth games enough to be able to justify it over 4X, a genre that I already know I love? Where where am I gonna play Burn Cycle? Like I'm, I don't have a situation that I want to play Burn Cycle other than the fact that it's like, eh you know, let's try a stealth game. You know, that's something we haven't done in a while. Like, literally, that's the only time I can think of right now. It doesn't sound like a good enough reason to keep in the collection then to me. I mean, I'm being honest here. Like, you know, I, know. I love I love CTG. I want to love Burn Cycle. It's sitting at a seven because I, I think that if you like stealth games, this is a great stealth game. I don't know if I yeah, like if you don't want to games. roll for combat, you don't want to, you know, set up all these fights, all this constant action, then yeah, this this could be it for you. Like if you're someone that when you play like a 
co-op game or any game in general, you like to just sit back and just kind of find a way around the the enemies and kind of just get to the objective, the most efficient route. This could be like that kind of puzzle that you would enjoy. But for me, at least it's like I enjoy it, but I don't I'm not seeking this experience like every time. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Maybe uh, when the second wave stuff comes, maybe I'll like kick the tires on it again. Maybe with you, maybe with Mark. I don't maybe know. Maybe you can trade it for Skyrim. I don't know. I am not getting <laughs> Skyrim. <laughs> It'd be a very lateral move. I mean, or an actual upgrade. if we're talking about clear if we're talking about two chip theory games that I have no desire to play, then yeah, it would definitely be a <laughs> lateral move. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait for uh, Elder Scrolls uh, Skyrim to come out because like we're going to play it and then I'm going to just spend like that podcast will be like three hours where I just break it down comparing it to both Too Many Bones and Hoplomachus. Speaking of, speaking of Hoplomachus, like, like that's a game, like a chip theory game that I am very shocked that I like as much as I do. And like Skyrim is a combination of Too Many Bones and Hoplomachus. So it's like even more in my wheelhouse than it really has any right to be. So... <laughs> Hopefully, when it comes, like we're we're gonna play it right away. I really want to see how they are so, able to So execute. let me give you this uh this credit this pass or anything, like um you get like a, a freebie pass where we will play too many bones. As soon as I get shipping information on Skyrim, okay. we'll plan a time to play too many bones because I I do want to if we're we're gonna pot about it obviously when you know this is twenty twenty four forecasting planning twenty twenty four try twenty twenty five but twenty twenty five then <laughs> but yeah but you have a pass where we we sure. Too many bones will hit the table between now and then at some point for us at least between us two. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to if we're going to dude, if we're going to review Skyrim, then not only do you have to play Too Many Bones, but you also have to play Hoplomachus. Like, okay, well, I don't own that game. I do. So you have to teach I me do. that one. It's easy. Oh yeah. It's like Pokemon, right? It honestly it is it feels just like Pokemon, but instead of like cute little electric mice and fire lizards it's like these buff jacked like gladiators <laughs> dang i guess i gotta go become ctg guy now <laughs> <laughs> gotta get on gear <laughs> oh man but yeah um it's it's gonna i'm gonna keep it at a seven i don't feel like it deserves its rank as a six because like yeah. i did have fun and i do like the mechanics of the game like i i think that if you did play it another one or two like i'm telling you this is like play number eight for me now and uh, maybe like seven but it finally started to click where it doesn't feel as um taxing mentally taxing as it did when i first started but you know kind of like when we talked about um crud what is that game wow my memory is complete doo-doo but it is i don't know if it's a game that's worth that many plays just to get into the groove of things you know not yet like i'm gonna give it one more try see what it does and if it doesn't work out then i'll have i mean i'm down to try it again one more time like i'm not gonna like if you ask if we're just random Thursday gaming or something. You want to like bust it out? Like I'm not gonna say no to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I we will for sure. I'm gonna try a more complex scenario. Maybe I'll do a like a different corporation. Who knows? Like we're literally like this yeah. is the intro scenario. Is it like, 
it like really clicked for me that going from that second to third floor like that's when it really clicked i can manage all the systems in my brain yeah and that's when i you said like i was starting to take over a little bit on like or giving more input to so it'd be interesting to just come back to it maybe like you know we'd be super efficient and you know that grind through the first and second floor is just because we're, we're not really really smart enough to to, <laughs> to get through those like as fast as we're supposed to but yeah. maybe knowing how to play it better it, you're supposed to burn through those and get to that third floor sooner yeah we'll see i mean we'll see you know like uh Next time, though, if we do play this again, it's going to be a completely new scenario, and that's going to be the one that's going to seal the deal on whether or not this game's going to stick around or not. I'll do yeah. some. I'll do some research to see if there's like a like a yeah, just, home uh, run scenario that people just are like, yeah, this is the best. Yeah, like like find the the best one for us to try. Yeah, this is like the equivalent of like not playing the. Uh, oh crud! What was it? What scenario was it? The wrecking, crew, really bad right the wrecking crew, the wrecking crew scenario <laughs> in uh, Marvel yeah. Champions. Imagine if your first game of Marvel Champions was against Wrecking Crew. <laughs> uh, you'd still pre- if you've never played LCGs, you still might think it's pretty cool. Oh, uh, I don't know. I hated that scenario. <laughs> oh, nobody likes that scenario. <laughs> uh, it's a good one-time try. That's about it. I don't. Ugh, gross. <laughs> but uh, all right, y'all. I guess that's it. Um, Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, we probably will not be recording until probably opening our first night into Gen Con. And I'm serious. If anyone who's listening is going to Gen Con, just send us a message. Let's grab like a coffee or lunch sometime. Or like last year, me and Johnny had a blast playing Oink games at the hookah bar. We were playing like marvel flux and all these random cards we, we played so much regicide that week like we were just playing regicide at the hookah bar for like hours <laughs> and that was really fun so we'll figure something out it, we'll we'll meet up with anybody as long as you're not like some kind of serial killer i'll have you know johnny is a trained <laughs> martial artist you do not uh-huh. want to mess with him <laughs> i'll give you whatever illness i'm having at the time that's all you need to know oh crap we're sharing a room <laughs> but we're not sharing a bed not anymore <laughs> damn <laughs> all right y'all thank you um if you need to reach us our email is one shit wonder at gmail.com and our instagram handle is one shit wonder all one word thanks y'all bye thanks bye